With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wherever you get your podcast. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. What a great time to be a Hawkeye. Everything is good. Everything is great. Welcome to the Hawkeye Nation radio show. My name is Andrew Downs. I am flying solo tonight, but I will not be alone. John Miller is going to be along with me here in just a minute or two. Joe Hugan joins me in segment number two, and we will wrap up before 8 o'clock as we uh, we kind of put a, a wrap on Iowa's regular season in football. As as uh, you well know, the Hawkeyes game against Michigan scheduled for this Saturday night and Champions Week in the Big Ten has been canceled due to COVID issues within the Michigan program. So Iowa will not get that ninth game yet. We will find out this weekend if Iowa gets a bull bid. I expect them to. If they accept that bull bid, I expect them to. Where and when and who they will be playing in that final game of this uh, 2020 campaign, which has you know gone a lot smoother than uh, than we all thought it would maybe at the beginning, and certainly smoother than we thought it would after the first couple of games. And then the big thing, the game, Iowa. Gonzaga, number one versus number three on a neutral floor. The Pentagon in Sanford, the Sanford Pentagon in South Dakota is where that game will be played. That is 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. You can hear that game on News Radio 1040 WHO. You can watch it national TV on CBS. And this is a big, big, big spot for the Hawkeyes. I will talk with our guests about that as uh, I'm just giddy about this game. And I am now joined by John Miller, HawkeyePodcast.com. John, what's up, man? How you doing? Just making it through, waiting for Santa to come. I've been good this year. You have, you have. I, I've I've seen Santa's list. You're on the the nice list, so you're good. Good, good deal. Yes, absolutely. Um, are are you as bummed as I am? You know, it's funny. We we all wanted this Iowa Indiana matchup, right? We all wanted Iowa to, to match up against a team and have a chance to get into a a, a New Year's Six bowl and all all of these things. When it ultimately came out that it was Michigan. I tweeted and, and said on the radio several times, hey, in a year like this, if you're going to give me a ninth game at Kinnick at night against those helmets and that coach and you know that program, I'm not going to poo-poo that. I'm, I'm not going to be too upset about that. And then I was surprised at kind of how bummed I was the other day when it came out that this game wasn't going to be happening. And, uh, and other than a bowl game, we don't have a chance to see this team one more time out on the field. Were, were you as bummed as I was when that news came out? doesn't sound like it. From what you just said, um, I, too, uh, would be all for watching Iowa play another game before the bowl game, if the bowl game happens. Um, because it's just, you know, this year, uh, more than any, we've realized how valuable this distraction really is. Uh, it's more than just a distraction, but it, uh, it definitely is a distraction from the realities of the world that we've all been living in. Um, I also was looking forward to Iowa absolutely boot-stomping Michigan and putting Jim Harbaugh down. I think he'll resign. I don't think he'll be their coach next year. So I would have really enjoyed that because I think Iowa would have crushed them. But um, I just, you know, in, in listening to Kirk 
in his words yesterday at his press conference, I didn't get the feeling he was, you know, I think you might be more down than he was. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think he's looking more at it the way that I am is, you know, Iowa had eight games scheduled in eight weeks during the pandemic. And Iowa was one of three Big Ten teams to play all eight of those games. So we're fortunate in that regard. And we got those in, and they won six in a row, and they've got a lot of momentum. So I was not crushed. I would not use that term. Disappointed, sure, um, but not not even kid-level disappointment. It was just, okay, that, that kind of stinks, but, you know, oh well. You talk about a bowl game. It's it's hard to it's hard to keep track of which bowls are still happening, which teams are still allowing themselves to you know be selected by bowls. We'll obviously find out this weekend where I was headed. Do you have any any idea of where you think Iowa might go? Where you hope Iowa goes? Do you have a a wish list for for any sort of a bowl game or bowl matchup? I think if Iowa if Northwestern loses to Ohio State as we all expect, I think it's a pretty good shot Iowa's going to the Citrus Bowl. I think if Northwestern wins that game, uh, which I don't expect, then I think Iowa goes to the Outback Bowl. I kind of think those are the two places. And, you know, you're talking about uh, a combination of, depending on how things play out, Missouri, Auburn, Florida, those kind of opponents, an SEC opponent in either regard. So I really think that that's the options that are before Iowa right now. I you know I, I hope that's right. I, I really want to see this Iowa team match up against a good team, and maybe even a team that that most people think is better than Iowa. Because what we've seen over these last six weeks, John, is a team that uh, has really come together and really started to play at, at what I think is a high level. But it's hard to know because the opponents haven't necessarily been at a high level. We're we're kicking the absolute snot out of bad teams. I want to see this team match up against a good team. So at least on the way out the door of this weird season, we get a, a chance to to see how good this team is or maybe would have been in a normal year. Yeah, I understand that. We all want measuring sticks. I would say this, too, that if Iowa does get a chance to play in a bowl game, one Mr. Petrus is going to have another set of uh, practices and reps, and and I think that that's very helpful. Any more reps he can get, that would be great. I think this defense uh, can hold up legit against most any of the teams that I just mentioned. And I think Iowa would stand a very good chance. And, and I was thinking about this today. If Iowa were to go and win that bowl game and finish 7-2, and two, that means they're five games above 500 on this season. And to try to extrapolate that to a quote-unquote normal year, last year they finished 10-3, and three, which is seven games above 500. So five games above 500 with a bowl win would be kind of a 9-4 and four season. And this kind of feels like that type of team. Some awards have come out. Obviously, the, the Big Ten awards came out this week. Um, one one that jumped right off the page uh, on the first day was Tyler Goodson being named first-team All-Big Ten running back by both the coaches and the media. The the first Hawkeye to, to earn that since Sean Green in 2008. Uh, how good has his season been, his sophomore season here as a Hawkeye? You know, when you look and compare it to the rest of the league, possibly better than even many of us thought. And I extrapolated his numbers uh, into a, what a 13-game season would be based on his current averages. And you're looking at a guy that would have put up a top-nine single-season rushing yards total in Iowa history. And every other player on that list ahead of him, with the exception of Marcus Coker, was beyond their second year in college. So 
what he did this year statistically and the pace that he was on, the pace he was on is not common in Iowa history for any player, regardless of age, certainly much less so for a player that's just in his second season. And, um, you know, he has that home run hitting ability. His 80-yard touchdown run is one of the longest uh, we've seen in Iowa since, I think, Tavian Banks uh, back in the 90s. And he's shifty. I think there were, there were times these last two or three games, though, it seemed like he started out a little tentative. But then getting into the second half, uh, he was more assertive and decisive, and his second-half productivity was better than that in the first half. Maybe it was some buttons that Iowa pushed. Maybe it was the offensive line starting to weigh down on the defensive line. But, uh, you know, I was going to have him for at least one more year, uh, maybe more than that, but certainly at least one because he can't go pro until after his third year in college. And I think you're looking at a guy next year that, uh, you know, could challenge the uh, the 1,500-yard mark in the season. Tory Taylor, the punter of the year in the Big Ten, for a guy who's never played American football before this season, had never even been to a game before uh, the the first game this season against Purdue. Uh, just just an incredible story, such a cool story, and, and a really really a deserving award for him. It was fun to see that today. It was, and I saw Graham Couch, who's a great writer that covers Michigan State for one of the state papers there, longtime guy saying that he thinks that the Ohio State punter should have won it and they shouldn't even have given it out of second place. And I'm like, man, you know, when I was younger, I would have put that guy on blast, but I, I kind of don't do that anymore. I just replied back to him and I said, I kind of disagree. You know, Ohio State's punter only had 18 punts all season. Taylor had 44, and yet Taylor was only about a yard and a half behind the Ohio State guy on average. And the Ohio State guy with 18 punts, I went back and looked at Torrey Taylor's stats after the Minnesota game, which he had 20 points at punts at that point in time. Taylor's yards per punt were better than the Ohio State guys. Number of punts downed inside the 20 was better, and Taylor had more punts fair caught. So pretty much by every measurable statistic, Torrey Taylor Taylor is the best punter in the Big Ten. I don't even think it's debatable. And uh, for a guy that had never played American football until he took the field against Purdue on October 24th, it's a remarkable story. And then I think the biggest award, Davion Nixon, the, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. You know, there, there were a lot of questions about this defense coming into the season, especially this defensive line, and, and where is a pass rush going to come? Uh, how, how are they going to click? How are they going to come together? You saw pretty quickly that, that he was going to be an impact player, obviously had the highlight play against Penn State. Uh, did, did you see anything like this coming from, from a guy like Davion Nixon? Well, when Nixon was recruited, I think a lot of people felt that he had potential near this level. And I think that there's a reason why Nick Saban tried to get him to come to Alabama after he went to the junior college route. Um, and uh, there's a big reason for that. And remember, Nixon went into the transfer went into the transfer portal a couple years ago, but he stayed the course. But to say that you would expect him to win the Big Ten's defensive player of the year, not – I mean, to say, hey, you know, Nixon's going to win the defensive lineman of the year. Wow, that's a big deal. But to say he's going to win the overall defensive player of the year, I don't know that you could have saw that coming. And he had one of the most disruptive seasons by an Iowa defensive lineman um, since Jonathan Babineau way, way back in the day when Babineau had, I think, 24, 25 tackles for loss, was it, in, in 02 or something like that. Maybe it was 04. I can't remember my year now. Um, and the guy that led the nation that year is from Marshall. So Babineau, far and away, had more tackles for loss than any, um, you know, power five player. And, and Nixon was on pace to match Babineau's numbers. So it's just a, a remarkable year that we saw. And 
I saw a highlight tape today that a highlight video that somebody put together and it's such a good one. And I retweeted it. You get a chance to see all the technique aspects to Davion's game. He has, he has good hands, good feet. When I say good hands, there's a lot of hand technique fighting that goes on the defensive line. He shows that he shows his uh, lateral quickness is elite. He keeps his head up and shucks engaged defenders at the last second to make uh, tackles in the backfield on running plays. He has it all. Mel Kuyper today came out with his updated big board, and Nixon is 10th. And I would love to see Nixon play at Iowa next year, but I would love more for Nixon to go make generational wealth in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I hope we get to see him one more time in, in, a, in a bowl game, but you're exactly right. A guy with that much hype who just puts together that kind of a season, uh, probably best for him to, to go and, and get his money. He's John Miller. I'm Andrew Downs. This is the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. John, our last show of, of the year, and uh, so time to just take a quick step back and kind of look at this season as a whole. You and I were on this show Eight, you know, six, seven weeks ago, whatever it was, before that Northwestern game, and, and you said you thought it was a must-win game, not for this team, but for this program. They've obviously lost that game, but then rattled off six straight. H- how impressed are you with the fact that this team was able to put together a season like this after the start it had? You know, I'm, I on my Hawkeye podcast uh, show this weekend, I made sure to point out how wrong I was. So I want to make sure I do that here, too. Um, I couldn't have been more wrong. I, I was concerned that Kirk could have lost this program after an 0-2 start because of the way things went this summer in Iowa City with the, the, the racial concerns that we're all very familiar with. And if, if, it, if it wasn't a year like that this summer, I wouldn't have said that after two games. But this year is unlike any other, especially for the Iowa football program. And to their credit, to the coaches' credit, mostly to the players' credit, they didn't pack up, they didn't pack it in, and they instead rallied together and got stronger. And they won six consecutive games. Uh, not many Iowa football teams have won six consecutive Big Ten games throughout Iowa football history, maybe less than ten. And they did that, and they are to be commended for it. And I think very much the opposite, Andrew, of what I said uh, six weeks ago. That actually, what we just saw, the galvanizing impact, Iowa able to keep this you know, recruiting class together, one of their best they've had in 15, 20 years. Um, I think that speaks volume for the culture concerns I was worried were fracturing. And I'm not going to sit here from the outside and say everything's been cured and solved and everything's hunky-dory on the inside. But I think the evidence would point to that Kirk did a lot of the things he needed to do to make these players feel comfortable and comfortable with him to continue to be the leader of this program. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, along along those same lines, you're right. I mean, sitting here in June, John, and there were some big and legitimate questions about this program, about Kirk Ferentz's leadership, about where everything was headed, and would it all fall apart? It all felt like it was falling apart the first couple of weeks of the season, but now we've gotten through a full season. We just had signing day where most of those kids signed. It looks like a good class. I don't I don't dive into recruiting all that much, but I'm I'm happy with what I've seen. What kind of shape is this program in right now? I think it's in pretty decent shape. I actually think this next recruiting class might be a better litmus test to how people from around the country view the program uh, relative to the things that you know came to light back in the summer. 
Um, this class Iowa just signed most every player, I think with the exception of the quarterback from Ohio, came from a bordering state to the state of Iowa. And that might not be the best litmus test for, okay, things are going to be okay on the recruiting front given what went down. I think this next year probably better than that. But I, I think that, um, you know, Kirk is still a very highly respected man. Uh, throughout all coaching circles. And you know what? The majority of Iowa's recruiting classes pretty much come from state, the, the states that border the state of Iowa anyway. So, you know, maybe, um, maybe they're, I, I don't even know what term to use here because it will belittle the importance of what went on. Maybe that's a difference, I'll just say. Uh, John Miller, a couple more minutes here with us on the Hawkeye Nation radio show. I want to move to basketball uh, for just a couple of minutes here, John. What a fun week last week. You pull away from a blue blood in North Carolina. You run Iowa State off your home floor. Uh, we all knew and know that Luca Garza is and was and is going to be the best player in the, in the country this year, the best player on this team. He's going to do things that we've never seen before, like put up 21 straight on Iowa State in just a couple of minutes, score 34 points in 17 minutes, hit five threes. Uh, who else? Else other than and Garza has kind of really impressed you. Maybe maybe stuck out through these first handful of games this season. Well, CJ Frederick, I think is the best pure shooter on the team. I think he's better than Wieskamp, and I think he's better than Bohannon. And what I've seen from him this year is an elevation of his game to not just be the deadly catch and shoot guy that he showed us he was last year, but I've seen him catch the ball sometimes and create space with a head fake and a dribble and still make the shot at a high clip, the three-point shot. That is something that he's added to his game, and it's not a lot. It's not something that, that every great shooter can do. Steve Alford, uh, he could do it a little bit. It's just not something that every great player can do. Another really important thing that I think we've seen since the North Carolina game, I think we've seen Joe Wieskamp maybe have a mental recognition yep. as to how much – this team needs him at certain times. A maturity that Wieskamp has shown, like, you know what, Luke is out, or you know what, I need to start driving. I need to make something happen. We all, this program needed, this team needed Joe Wieskamp to become a little more selfish. And I think that he recognized that, and he's taken advantage of that. And, boy, that is what probably can make this team actually become a legitimate Final Four contender as opposed to just what everyone's talking about being a Final Four contender. Mm -hmm. If Wieskamp can become assertive, something that we seldom saw Jared Utah become, then that's a big, big deal. And it looks to me like he might be taking his first steps into a greater universe. Gonzaga comes in undefeated and number one, but they haven't played in a couple weeks, haven't even been practicing for a couple of weeks. How big of an advantage is that for the Hawkeyes? I think it's significant. Mark Few said today in a, in a teleconference that today was the first time since the Baylor game of December 5th was called off that his team has all practiced together at the same time. He said he's very worried about their conditioning. And that's not a good thing when you're playing the team that has the 14th most, uh, the 14th shortest time of possession in the sport and Gonzaga actually is 15. That means these teams get down the floor multiple times, up and down, up and down, up and down fast-paced, multiple possessions. And also, Iowa this year, the most, the most amazing stat to me that I've seen this year for Iowa that has shocked me the most has been Iowa's turnover percentage. And Iowa is only turning the ball over um, on like 12.4% of their possessions. 
That's like 12th in the country. At no time in the Alford era or the Licklider era did Iowa ever not turn the ball over at least on 20% of their possessions. This team is one of the – turn the ball over one of the least amounts of time in the Big Ten on that many possessions and that style of play. And I think Gonzaga is probably going to suffer from conditioning more so than anything else. I'm not saying Iowa is going to run, their, run them out of the gym. I'm just saying I think towards the end of the game, late second half, if Iowa was down by, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points to a really good Gonzaga team, I would not change the channel because I think that Iowa's conditioning could play a huge factor in this game. You know, when they set the schedule, John, and, and I was kind of looking at the non-conference, in, in my head it was you need to win one of these two games, North Carolina and Gonzaga. Uh, right. You need to win one of these to sh- to prove that you're worthy of kind of the ranking and, and the hype that you have. They got the win against North Carolina, pulled away, got, got a nice win there. I think you need to show you belong on the floor with Gonzaga. It's certainly not a must win by any means, but is there a moral victory component in this game Saturday if Iowa doesn't come away with a win? I think only from the sense of the national media's taking Iowa for real, which I don't know ultimately why that matters. It only matters to us, you know, us folks in Iowa that were born with chips on our shoulders. Yeah, um, matters a lot we, to us, though, know, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of like you know, if you've ever seen the Godfather series and Godfather Two. Unfortunately, we're probably all more like Fredo than we are like Michael <laughs> uh, as Iowans. We want our respect, and I think that. You're right. This is not a must-win. There's no such thing as a must-win in December in college basketball. But for this program, it is a huge game. Because if they beat Gonzaga, and yeah, Gonzaga's probably not going to be at their best given what we just talked about. But if they beat Gonzaga, there's a decent chance they're ranked number one in the nation next week. They might get enough votes to overtake Baylor, who's number two right now. But if number one beats number three at a neutral court, uh, there's a shot. And to enter Big Ten play, ranked as the number one team in the nation, Uh, brother, I've not lived to see that. And I would like to see that. That would be fun. I've no joke have goosebumps. You just just saying those words. I mean, I... I love Hawkeye football. Hawkeye basketball is the thing I, I live and die for. And and for this team we, to, to yeah. be doing this right now, oh, I'm so excited for this game and this season. It's it's so much fun and, and glad to be a part of it. Uh, John, you're doing a lot of cool things at HawkeyePodcast.com. How does that change or does it change at all as, as we move into a, a basketball-heavy season these, these next few months? Well, you know, it doesn't change. I mean, football is always going to be talked about. But like you just said, you and I both share the same fashion. Hawkeye basketball has always been tops for us. Same for me. Even though I've covered the heck out of football in my career, we'll continue to do so. One of the main reasons why I came back and unretired was for this, was for basketball. And last week, I think I did four hours worth of podcasting, uh, about the most I've ever done in a week. And with basketball getting ready to kick into Big Ten play in that, and with Iowa potentially poised to be, on an amazing run, you think I'm not going to be yapping my gums? I mean, I'm, I talk to myself about it. Why wouldn't I just turn on the microphone and camera and do it? And we're going to start that tonight uh, at 8 p.m. after this show airs, 8 p.m. Just go to HawkeyePodcast.com. The live shows are always free for everyone. And if you can't catch the live shows and you want to listen to all the podcasts, it's just four ninety nine a month, folks. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't drink Starbucks, Andrew, but I'm guessing the Starbucks probably costs that. Come oh, yeah. on. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love it. John Miller, thank you so much uh, for, for the time all year long. We've, we've really enjoyed having you on this program. And, uh, you know, I, I love talking Hawkeyes with you. So to, so to be able to do that here all fall, it's, uh, it's really been a lot of fun. I, I do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Andrew. And I, and I want to say this again. Um, when, whenever I was talking with Joe and the Hawkeye Nation gang, you know, just wanted to let them know I wanted to do some things again. And they were kind enough to allow me to do that. Um, I, I told them that I thought it was of the utmost importance that Andrew Downs become as much involved with Hawkeye Nation as possible because you you have grown so much from when we first met uh, and you were just a lowly board out back in the day. Um, you sound, you're professional in every sense of the word, and I couldn't think of a better person to be you know, sitting in one of the chairs I used to sit in. So I, I couldn't be more thrilled that you are that guy. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You got it. All right. John Miller, thank you as always. We will be back with the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. Hey, folks, John Miller here. It's a new football season, but West Side Appliance Repair is still doing fantastic work. When you have a washing machine, refrigerator, dishwasher, or any home appliance in need of repair, I highly recommend you call them. I've done so in the past. They took care of me. They have the best and most experienced service technicians in Central Iowa, and West Side's been serving Central Iowa homes for over 50 years. Give West Side a call, 515-276-8899. West Side Appliance, your home appliance repair experts. John Miller here for the Roman Group. They're a public accounting firm in West Des Moines. They believe in the value of relationships and view each client like a partnership. The Roman Group believes their company's success is a result of their client's success. Services include tax accounting and business consulting. The Roman Group is locally owned and operated, providing services throughout the Midwest as well as nationally. Call the Roman Group at 515-278-4531. That's 515-278-4531. The Roman Group says go Hawks. Do you own or manage a fleet of cars, trucks, or equipment? At Manchester Leasing Services, we partner with business owners and decision makers in the management of their ever-changing vehicle fleets. We work hand-in-hand with clients who are frustrated with the vehicle acquisition and disposal processes or who are in search of lower vehicle operating costs and a better overall service process, all to help them save time, improve their bottom line, and stay focused on their business. Call Manchester Leasing for all your fleet management and leasing needs. 515-446-7322 or Manchester L. LS.com. Again, that's 515-446-7322 or ManchesterLS.com. Reynolds & Reynolds is a full-service, family-owned insurance agency in downtown Des Moines for over 30 years. Hi, I'm Stan W. Reynolds. Reynolds & Reynolds offers a full line of insurance products, including health, life, disability, 401k, property, and liability insurance. At Reynolds & Reynolds, we make sure our clients get the best attention, service, claims handling, and price. Please call Reynolds & Reynolds at 1-800-767-1724 to set up a free insurance consultation with one of our agents. Or look us up on the web at Reynolds-Reynolds.com. At Reynolds & Reynolds, Inc., no one works harder to manage your risks. Every day, Fast Science helps businesses like yours with their visual communications. We ask the right questions, recommend smart solutions, and help you build your business. Our knowledgeable consultants uncover your communication challenges and provide visible solutions. At Fast Science, we're innovators, planners, and designers. We're more than fast, more than science, and we're more than ready to help. Contact Fast Science today. Call Fast Science and Clyde at 224 or visit fastscience.com. And welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation. 
Nation radio show here on 1460 AM, 106.3 FM, KXNO, anywhere in the world on the iHeartRadio app. And check out anything you've missed at the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Go to your favorite podcast service. Type in Hawkeye Nation. It'll pop right up. Go ahead and hit subscribe. Give us a rating if you please. Uh, we have a lot going on. I do podcasts every week. I do uh, instant reactions after the big games. I'll have one coming up after the Gonzaga game on Saturday. And up next, I'm going to talk with Joe Hugan, who does some podcasts for us as well. Not just about that Gonzaga game, but about the wrapping up of the regular season in football, the disappointment of not having that Michigan game, the excitement of a bowl game, and uh, and a little bit of an overview on uh, on what we saw from the season. And then, of course, a nice lengthy talk about the college hoop season. This Iowa basketball team we're so excited about and this big game on Saturday. Joe Hugan, thanks for joining me, man. What's up? How you doing? Oh, hanging in there, trying to uh, lick the wounds from not being able to play this game Saturday. You know, I I, I didn't think... I knew it was a, a possibility. As soon as they announced the game, obviously Michigan has, has missed the last couple of games. I knew this was an option, but it hit me than I thought it was going to. Just this realization, you know, somebody had said uh, on you know one of the podcasts or something I'd read. I wish I knew exactly where it was, but I heard somebody mention before the Wisconsin game that you know this may be the last game we get. This may be the last time we see this Hawkeye team on a on a football field this season. And I hadn't even considered that up until that point, and, and that really hit me hard. And then to have this uh, become a reality, and obviously there's there's a chance for a bowl game, and we'll talk about that. But this hit me harder yesterday than I thought it would because I had gotten myself pretty excited to see the Hawkeyes one more time under the lights of Kinnick Stadium against those helmets, if not a typical Michigan team. Well, yeah, it was the first time that, you know, we've been stopped uh, through our progress, <clears throat> excuse me, through our progress. I mean, it, it's really the first time that it's out of our control completely. And I think that's what hurts the most because they've made such good progress throughout the year. And, you know, the first two losses of the season when we kind of all felt that maybe this might be going in the, the wrong direction and they completely, you know, changed the direction of the program and, you know, ripped off. Uh, you know, so it was it was something that I was really looking forward to seeing. Um, wasn't really expecting Michigan to be the team. I was, I was more expecting Indiana, but, you know, they pulled out as well, Indiana and Purdue. So just the first time really kind of hit us uh, directly um, when it hasn't been a problem all year, thankfully. Which, I mean, if you if you put everything into perspective, and, and hearing Kirk Ferentz yesterday, as he you know spoke with the media, planning to talk about the upcoming game against Michigan, but just a couple hours before that, it had been canceled, so it turned into a press conference about the cancellation of that game, and, and he doesn't want to, to try to you know force another game into this week, and I understand why from his perspective, uh, but then you hear him kind of talk about the bigger picture perspective of, hey, we, we got eight games in, we didn't know that this was possible you you saw other teams all around us I think I was the only Big Ten West team that that got to play all eight games and so in the bigger picture I should be more grateful that that we haven't had this issue come up before now that, that we didn't miss any of these other games that we didn't miss a, a trophy game or a big rivalry game we got to end some streaks and continue some streaks and all those things and yet I still sit here like a petulant child you know <laughs> give me my ball I, I, I want the thing you promised me uh, and so it does suck. Going back to, you know, you talk about the the possibility of that matchup with Indiana, and I think that's the one that we all wanted and, and probably wouldn't have happened as we saw Indiana shut things down as well. Um, did, did you have a problem with what the Big Ten ultimately decided? Yeah, I don't know. I've gone back and forth through this. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State is is the best program in the Big Ten, and it hurts to say it, 
but they have been for a long time. Um, nobody's really challenged. It used to be the big two and the, and the little eight. Um, there's not even that anymore. Ohio State is just dominating. Now, there's some programs, you know, vying for a, a challenge, but this year kind of stifled all that progress. And nobody has really put up much of a fight. They deserve to be where they're at, but not in the process of which, you know, the, the season played out. The Big Ten completely baffled the beginning of the Big Ten season. They baffled um, the, the protocols for, um, you know, players being able to play. Uh, they, they doubled it. So they really put themselves into a corner and they made their own worst nightmare in this situation. So then they had to go back on their word and allow Ohio State, which it's not Ohio State's fault. A lot of people look at them as the bad guy in this, and it's really not. They they are the best team. They haven't been able to play. Uh, teams like Michigan, you know, weren't able to, to play them in their, their annual, uh, you know, the best game, the biggest game uh, on the biggest stage. It's not their fault. So they're, they're kind of sitting there and they wanted to play Indiana. Indiana wasn't going to be playing them. They said they, they had COVID concerns, whether it was or not, I don't know, but they, you know, they didn't certainly have, didn't have any, uh, uh, you know, incentive to do so. They had already lost to Ohio state once and there was no real reason. They already had the qualification of games to make the, the title game themselves. So just a lot of, of, of weird things going on. And, you know, it kind of seems like some teams may have kind of checked out on the season already. But Iowa, being that we've played all of our games and, and met that challenge, kind of seems like we should have a plus one in that category and get a little uh, little love from uh, college football. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I don't have a problem with what the Big Ten did uh, in regards to Ohio State. And I really don't have a problem with what the Big Ten ultimately did with this Champions Week and, and the matchups that they, they created. Uh, it's it's hard as an Iowa fan to look at things from the bigger picture perspective because we see things through our, our window and we want to play Indiana, who's a good team. I want to see this Hawkeye team measure up against a good team. We're kicking the crap out of bad teams. Let's play a good team and see how well, good yeah. we really are. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's why I didn't understand why we didn't pull the draw of Indiana yeah. over Michigan, because Indiana was the best team, the second best team. Well, we're being told the second best team in the East. So we should have been playing them. That's what they said at the beginning of the year, yes. which was confusing to a lot of people. Now, the only thing that I could come up with is they wanted to give home field advantage to those teams that earned it. Mm. And we, you know, earned our home field advantage as being, you know, the second best team in the Big Ten West. So they they gave us a, a home game against Michigan, and that's the only thing I could come up with uh, for that that reasoning. But my, who my, knows if that's my right. thought is, you know, they, they wanted to preserve some of these rivalry games, and and to us here in Iowa, the Indiana Purdue game doesn't seem like a lot. We all know that Michigan or uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota have a big rivalry mm-hmm. game, but you know, like for instance, if we had missed out on the Nebraska game this year for whatever reason, COVID and, and one of the other of the programs it would be fun then to this week get to play that game for a trophy in a big rivalry where we get to talk crap to our neighbors and all this stuff so (laughs) i i understand why they wanted to preserve some of those things and as i said several times on uh on radio shows and podcasts and on twitter uh leading up to the cancellation yesterday in 2020 if you're going to give me a ninth game against michigan under the lights at kinnick i'm not going to be upset about that i will take it um and so you know it's it's a the big 10 has certainly put it in a bad spot several times throughout the last few months, mostly by making definitive statements too early before they needed to. They they didn't leave themselves the flexibility that they ultimately needed and ultimately used to get Ohio State into the Big Ten Championship game. I feel like if 
if there was a little less ego, if there was a little yeah. more just kind of, hey, you know, we don't know how this is going to go. We're not sure because the Big Ten is always sure, right? Uh, if, yeah. they, if they were able to come out and say, hey, we're not sure how this is going to go. Uh, this is what we hope happens, but we're going to leave all this open to uh, to change as we need to because uh, this is a weird year and everything's up in the air. And uh, if they had just kind of been less definitive at the beginning of all of this, even even canceling the season back in August, yep. uh, it would have really put themselves in a better position to to then play this whole thing out. Yeah, the, the wait and see. They, they didn't collaborate with anybody. They, they wanted to be the leader. I get it. The Big Ten is the premier, I don't know if they will be after this season, but uh, <laughs> the premier program of the Power Fives. Everybody kind of listens to them, and so they took the approach that, well, when we talk, they listen. Well, they all wanted to play football, and in the South, they were going to play football regardless. But I think the you know wait and see, maybe collaborate with the other Power Fives, and you know be a leader that way, rather than taking the lead without having a plan in place, it just didn't seem like a great approach, and it really put a lot of teams in bad positions, and in coaches, and and everybody else, and fans in general, just wondering what is really going on. So, this season was great for Iowa. Glad to see the improvements and, you know, meeting adversity head on and being able to play a full uh, slate of games, which there's only three in the Big Ten. um, Unless I'm I'm, right. Yeah, the other ones. Yeah, it's crazy. So we were lucky and, you know, fortunate for that going on to next year. It's gonna it's gonna be you know difficult to repair that uh, that image of the Big Ten, but I'm, I'm sure they're they've got something in the works to try. Should make a note here as we're eight minutes into a podcast that drops on National Signing Day. Uh, that's that's just not a thing that I'm into. It's not a thing that Joe is into. We we can't cover that at the level that people who care about it would want that to be covered. Uh, yep. That that'll be covered extensively by Rob Howe and, and the crew at Hawkeye Nation. So check out HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, the places that that do recruiting well do it really well. Uh, for me, it's just not a thing that I'm able to really get my. It, it doesn't stoke my passion as a Hawkeye fan. I want I'll, no. I'll see these guys on the field. I'll I'll pay more attention to them when they when they are Hawkeyes. And so that's just a note that we're not going to dive way into this. Uh, yeah. what, what looks to be a, a very good recruiting class that that I was put together here. Yeah, that's about uh, as much as I pay attention to it. Like, hey, the people that know are saying it's good, so I'll I'll pay attention when they uh, they hit the field uh, next spring, and we'll see how that uh, all plays out on the uh, the roster. So, so, so uh, I'm the same way with you. Yeah, so, so, you know, until they prove it, I don't know. So, so now it's 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 a bowl game is, is kind of what we're looking at here. Um, we don't know what that looks like. Is that you know a citrus bowl that type of level of a bowl, or, or, or is it Orlando? Is it Tampa? Probably not a New Year's Six bowl since Iowa doesn't get that you know the data point, the the thing they like to say the the extra win. Uh, be that over Michigan, you know, g- go out and and show yourselves to be dominant over a team like that, or you know, in, in all of our wildest dreams, a game against Indiana, which really would have paired up, you know, the the probably number three and number four teams in the Big Ten. Uh, so that's probably off the table, but my hope is, you know, because this is a weird year where a lot of people probably aren't going to be traveling to these bowl games, certainly not the numbers that, that normally do. Uh, there will be restrictions on, on a lot of things. And so this is going to be a TV show. So my, my hopes are, number one, 
as I as I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, I want to see this Iowa team match up against a good team and maybe even a team that people think are better than Iowa. I want to see what this mm-hmm. team can do. I want to see what Spencer Petras can do when he has to do it. I want to see what this defense. Uh, I want to see this defense hold a really good offense to under twenty four points. Um, I want to see Tyler Goodson prove that he's the best running back in the Big Ten by running wild on an SEC team. So that that's my number one thing is the opponent, and then number two, you know, you just hope you get a good time slot on a good TV network and uh, and can kind of show off uh, as you head into a into another weird off season. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with all that, and I, I think that we'll, you know, we're going to get a good matchup, um, provided that the Bulls uh, continue to hold on. Some of them have already canceled. Um, yeah. You know, and I can understand why it's, uh, you know, the market being as it is and people not traveling. Like you said, it's it's going to be difficult to make up those dollars and make it make sense. Um, a lot of people have been throwing out the, the pitch of changing into a more diverse um, uh, playoff situation, which I kind of like the idea. It, it kind of makes the bowl games a little more meaningful. They say it devaluates the regular season, but I don't see that, especially in a year like like this year. Um, I think it gives you more control over your final destination. Um, you know what will happen? I, I I don't know going forward. I'd like to see them expand it a little bit, but uh, if we're going to talk fantasy here a little bit, I would love to see if if Iowa State ends up losing that that championship game. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Iowa play Iowa State. Would love that. I think that would be fantastic yes. if it was in the state of Iowa. As far as the TV market goes, I don't know, but you know, us Iowa fans, the whole state of Iowa would be tuned in. Absolutely, and uh, I, I think a lot of money would be spent too. So. I, I agree completely. And yeah, let, let's measure up. That that is a good team. You know, you may not like to hear it, but Iowa State is uh, is is eight and two, eight and one in the conference. They had the best Big Twelve season of any team. I think they uh, will probably lose to Oklahoma, but that that's not a foregone conclusion, which it would have been in just about any other season in Iowa yeah. State history. And so uh, I, I agree. I, w- I would love to see that. And Joe, I'm just kind of thinking on the fly here, but you know. I, I really want you and I to sit down, um, you know, sometime in January after a bowl game and really kind of deep dive into this football season and kind of what it all meant because it felt like it meant a lot um, at, at certain times, especially after that 0 2 start and the wild off season and, and, you know, the, the direction of the program and Kirk Ferentz as, as the head of this program and, you know, are, the, are these guys bought in? All of this stuff. Um, I, I don't want to do that yet because there's still a, hopefully another game to be played, and and I want to give us some perspective. Uh, but you know, maybe after the bowl season, we can find a hole in the uh, the basketball schedule there in January, and you and I can just kind of sit down and and really kind of pick apart what this meant, this six-game winning streak, um, you know, what the future looks like, all of this stuff. Because I think Hawkeye football, for as bad as it felt after two weeks of this season, and really for most of the offseason, I think we're in a, a really good spot. And I'm not sure I could have envisioned me feeling this way about this program in June, July, August, September, you know, at, at all. No, I, I totally agree. And we'll, we'll have to definitely do that. It's... Uh... It's for for everything that's that's gone bad in the in the in the world. <laughs> um, this season was probably the most important um, for us as fans, but for this team specifically. And it couldn't have happened on a worse year. But they made something so much more. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to deep dive into that, and that's going to be fun to talk about because I I don't think that there's a um, a, a better year for Iowa to have made this happen than this year and it was important for every fan to see it so I I agree completely 
another fun thing to talk about as we'll uh, we'll do the last oh, 10 minutes or so here on this podcast on uh, on Iowa basketball. Obviously, the the number three team in the country, and the game is this weekend. I mean, th- this is the the one that we've all had circled ever since it got announced. Um, by all accounts, it sounds like Gonzaga has figured out their COVID issues and and plans to make the trip to South Dakota this weekend. And so Saturday morning at 11 a.m., number one versus number three, national TV on CBS. It's your Iowa Hawkeyes against the Gonzaga Zags. Uh, let's. I'm I'm so excited for this game. I'm I'm just jacked for for Saturday morning. Oh, you have no idea. Uh, absolutely, this is this is things that you will be telling your ki- your kids will be telling their kids about. I mean, yes. is that important? It is that monumental. The things that Luca Garza and this team have done. I always got to mention Luca because Luca is doing things that haven't been seen in in 25 years. Um, you know, the NCAA keeps on coming up with stats in the yeah. Big Ten. This guy's breaking them. He's shattering them. Um, you know, last year the Wooden Award uh, was was awarded to um, um, Ob Toppin. Okay, and that guy, whether he deserved it or not, didn't even start his season last year, like Luca Garza starting it this year. He is on a tear. I mean, Iowa is averaging 100.5 points a game, and Gonzaga they've only had three. They're at 93 points. So I mean, it's going to be hopefully a scoring affair and hopefully enough defense to put off uh, the Zags. But this game in and of itself, I can't recall of a bigger game other than that Fab Five game that Iowa had when we weren't even really ranked, you know, all that 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 high. This is going to be it. This is going to be the the one, and I think we can pull it off. Yeah, I think you, we can do it. I, I was born in <clears throat> 1982, and so so I was on the verge, I think, of doing things that haven't happened in my lifetime. And yeah, I can't think of a bigger game, and certainly not in my adult life, that that has this kind of hype, this kind of feel to it. That being said, is this a I guess how important is it that that I will win this game versus just show that they belong on the same floor as a team like Gonzaga? Because Gonzaga has proven over the last you know decades that that they're one of the elite programs in the country, and and this team looks like as good of a team as they've ever had. Um, but but Iowa again is is right up there. I, I don't think you have to win this game by any means. I you know calling this a must win would be ridiculous, but. Mm-hmm. You do need to show that you belong with with this team. I, th- I think you were able to do that against North Carolina. I think had had Iowa lost that North Carolina game, this game would feel a lot more important as far as putting it in the win column because you needed to prove that you could beat one of these blue blood teams. Uh, and and Iowa did that, you know, handily against North Carolina. So now Iowa, I think, has shown the country and shown shown us as fans really uh, that they are good enough to be ranked in that top five. Um, so, so I really think that the most important thing Saturday is go out there and really compete and and be close. Give give Gonzaga at least a scare, if not pull away and win this thing. You're absolutely right. the The upside is huge. We beat we beat the Gonzaga. You have the number one spot in the country. You yep. will be number one yes. if you do that. Yes, and that <laughs> is something that it's wild Iowa, to even say, Joe. That's wild yeah, to even hear you this say. Early in the season. Yeah. It's it's just hasn't been done, and these guys believe they can. They they know they can. I mean, if you, if you hear Jordan Bohannon, yep. he, he believes he believes they are the best team in the country. And I, you know, they have beaten a blue blood in uh, North Carolina. Uh, Gonzaga's had two top fifteen teams um, already that they've defeated, but 
this is a game that is important for them to win because it sets the tone for the Big Ten season, yes. which I, I was I was talking to Steve a little bit and, you know, we were kind of discussing that, that the Big Ten is really going to be where the significant portion of your challenge is going to be just because this is probably the biggest uh, Big Ten lineup that we've ever had. Yeah. And their ability to score points is off the charts. If they've never scored points in the Big Ten like they have been this year. So that's going to be a challenge and a test every single game. And, you know, to be able to go throughout the, the week and, and the season back to back to back, I mean, you're going to have to prove it. I don't think we're going to go undefeated. But if we can, you know, get through the season with only two to three losses, that would be huge. I don't think we're going to go undefeated, but if we beat Gonzaga on Saturday, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to I'm going to get a little closer to to that. Uh, going back to Friday night, it was fun to kick the snot out of Iowa State. It always is, and it's it has been the last couple of three years now in, in men's basketball, and well over 1,100 days now since Iowa State has beaten Iowa in anything uh, significant. Um, and and Luca Garza, what he did in that second half, um, I mean it's it's unlike and. A car too. It's it's one of the most I've ever seen on a basketball floor for a seven footer who has the inside game that we all know about who who works as hard as he does to be able to put you know essentially a Frank Garza workout video on the court against an in state rival like that and hit four threes in, in just a couple of minutes score twenty one straight points and really uh, take that game from a nice comfortable win from the Hawkeyes to an absolute blowout uh, in just a couple of minutes it's it's incredible what he did that night and uh and and how fun it was to to really you know put little brother in its place absolutely and he he takes a challenge the guy takes a challenge he he was uh, in foul trouble yep. on the bench and you know that's some adversity some things that he's learned from that he doesn't usually commit very often but it challenged him to make a huge second half the guy has gears that you just you, you don't see, and when just when you think he's tired or he's down, he reaches right back in and shows that he can do anything. The, the guy has not disappointed. He shouldn't be disappointing anybody. Um, his worst game was a double-double. That's <laughs> it's incredible. He's going to be doing this, I think, all year. And as long as he has that motor and everybody stays healthy, they can key on him all they want. They're going to get burned in so many other ways, and – as they get burned in all those other ways, from Jordan Bohannon, from C.J. Frederick, to Sant, to Wieskamp, all those names, they're they're going to go away from Garza and give him the openings he needs. So he has he has a lot of flexibility and options, and I think he embraces it all. This team embraces it all. They're they're fearless, and I think that's the the biggest thing that I've seen this year. Every single one of them, including Joe Wieskamp, who you know last year was was coming off a bit of a slump. And, you know, lacking a little bit of confidence, I think this year came around, he attacks the basket and, and really drives it to the hoop. So I'm 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 just thrilled with what this basketball team presents. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. 11 Saturday morning. Uh, everybody's got their clock set for that. And uh, we will have that covered on HawkeyeNation.com and all angles. I'll do a post game instant reaction podcast. And unfortunately, you don't get to do two that day. I was really excited for the, <laughs> the kind of bookend day of, of Iowa basketball in the morning and Iowa football at night. But um, that's just okay. You know, before we get out of here, Joe, uh, we're recording this just after 11 o'clock on, on Wednesday. And, and right now, the, uh, the, the, the Big Ten awards are coming out are starting to trickle out um, on the defensive side. We saw yesterday Tyler Goodson, the first um, 
first team running back for the Hawkeyes since since Sean Green in 08. Well deserved for Goodson. Saw some other uh, accolades as well. Linderbaum and uh, Tory Taylor. So some of those some of those things. But um, I guess Tory Taylor will be tomorrow. That that'll be the the special team awards. But the big news has been named the. Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, the Nagurski Woodson Defensive Player of the Year, also the Smith Brown Defensive Lineman of the Year, uh, but the Defensive Player of the Year is Davion Nixon of the Iowa Hawkeyes. And his story is so cool. I mean, he's such a hard worker and, and a, a, a great teammate, and a guy that builds uh, everybody's confidence on that team. I mean, you can't ask for a better uh, human being on the team and I'm, I'm just glad that he, he's earned it and, and he's going to have a great NFL career and I can't watch I can't wait to watch him on Sundays that is Joe Hugan I'm Andrew Downs this is the Hawkeye Nation radio show and when we come back we'll wrap it up for the year right here on KXNO it's 1460 AM 106.3 FM Reynolds & Reynolds is a full-service, family-owned insurance agency in downtown Des Moines for over 30 years. Hi, I'm Stan W. Reynolds. Reynolds & Reynolds offers a full line of insurance products, including health, life, disability, 401k, property, and liability insurance. At Reynolds & Reynolds, we make sure our clients get the best attention, service, claims handling, and price. Please call Reynolds & Reynolds at 1-800-767-1724 to set up a free insurance consultation with one of our agents. Or look us up on the web at Reynolds-Reynolds.com. At Reynolds & Reynolds, Inc., no one works harder to manage your risks. John Miller here for The Roman Group. They're a public accounting firm in West Des Moines. They believe in the value of relationships and view each client like a partnership. The Roman Group believes their company's success is a result of their client's success. Services include tax accounting and business consulting. The Roman Group is locally owned and operated, providing services throughout the Midwest as well as nationally. Call The Roman Group at 515-278-4531. That's 515-278-4531. The Roman Group says, Go Hawks! Every day, Fast Science helps businesses like yours with their visual communications. We ask the right questions, recommend smart solutions, and help you build your business. Our knowledgeable consultants uncover your communication challenges and provide visible solutions. At Fast Science, we're innovators, planners, and designers. We're more than fast, more than signs, and we're more than ready to help. Contact Fast Science today. Call Fast Science and Climb at 224-1210 or visit fastsigns.com slash 42. Hey, folks. John Miller here. It's a new football season, but Westside Appliance Repair is still doing fantastic work. When you have a washing machine, refrigerator, dishwasher, or any home appliance in need of repair, I highly recommend you call them. I've done so in the past. They took care of me. They have the best and most experienced service technicians in Central Iowa, and Westside's been serving Central Iowa homes for over 50 years. Give Westside a call, 515-276-8899. Westside Appliance, your home appliance repair experts. Do you own or manage a fleet of cars, trucks, or equipment? At Manchester Leasing Services, we partner with business owners and decision makers in the management of their ever-changing vehicle fleets. We work hand-in-hand with clients who are frustrated with the vehicle acquisition and disposal processes or who are in search of lower vehicle operating costs and a better overall service process, all to help them save time, improve their bottom line, and stay focused on their business. Call Manchester Leasing for all your fleet management and leasing needs. 515-446-7322 or Manchester ls.com again that's 515-446-7322 or manchesterls.com 
Welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. I'm Andrew Downs, and just enough time here to do some thank yous on our final show of this year. Uh, thank you so much to Joe Schmelka and the Polk County iClub for being a part of this show and inviting me to be a part of it as well. Thank you to our sponsors, Reynolds & Reynolds Insurance, Manchester Leasing, the Vroman CPA Group, Westside Appliance Repair. Uh, thank you for their support of, uh, of this show, of HawkeyeNation.com, and of Hawkeye Athletics, and thank you so much for listening. It's been a weird year, but we've had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, it's it's been it's been it's been great, and we'll continue to have a lot of great Hawkeye coverage at HawkeyeNation.com throughout basketball season and more. Uh, looking forward to a, a big big Hawkeye season. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a great night, go Hawks.